This episode of Black Equity Podcast is brought to you by Sip and Share Wines. Head over to SipAndShareWines.com to learn more. Black Equity listeners, thank you for joining us for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. This is episode 202, and we continue our conversation with Tarzine Jackson entrepreneur and longtime designer in the tech space. We continue talking about diversity and inclusion and going a little bit deeper into the conversation to see, hey, is diversity and inclusion even needed? Like what what is the what is the ultimate goal of diversity and inclusion? And so we journey into her mind to understand deeper what can we look for? What is currently going on in the landscape uh, within the culture for us to be paying attention to? So Sit back, enjoy, sip on your wine, and enjoy this conversation. And then I'll see you at the end of the show. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. With diversity and inclusion and talking about tech, I wanted to uh, kind of shift gears just a little bit. Uh, and talk about uh, your experiences with uh, the tech world in general. What have been some of your uh, your thoughts and some of your experiences uh, dealing with uh, tech in, in, as far as diversity and inclusion are concerned? Um, wow, that's a, that's a big topic. <laughs> so I, first I'll start with... Um, the organizations that I'm a part of. I am okay. a, I'm a lead for women who code. Okay. And the Silicon Valley chapter in um, Silicon Valley in Bay area, California. And Which I'm also, you're, you're located, right? You're in Silicon Valley. Yes, I am. Nice. Nice. Um, in fact, down the street from Google. Nice. <laughs> cool. So I go to a lot of tech conferences and I use these, I, I support these organizations and use these organizations to open the doors, especially for um, people of color in the tech space. Um, Just so recently that it's been, it's been like an uphill battle. Mm. No, you know what? That's the wrong word. Cause actually I have a lot of allies and supporters that are willing to make those changes, but they're very few. Okay. So, and then um, it's just like, it seems what are, like. What are the oh, changes? What are, when you say make those changes, what types of changes are we looking at? Um, I guess some of the bad behavior that's intact. So yeah. I was working for, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, sure. I was working for a company for, I was there for three years and I ended up being there for three years and I had racial incidents. And so now it's a big name company, in fact, an IPO. Um, so I'm not going to. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but um, I was, there was two incidents about my hair. So when I started there, cause I felt like in order to get a job, I had to relax my hair. Mm. So I did, I was relaxing my hair until I got a chemical burn in the first year. And I was like, you know what? my daughter ended up cutting off all her hair and she did that in high school. I have two kids, by the way. So my older daughter cut all her hair and she was in high school. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, 
you know, my 16-year-old is my hero. Mm. I say, this child goes to a predominantly white school. She had long, straight, pretty hair, and she cuts it all off to go natural, and she rocked it without a second thought. Right. I was like, if she can do it, I need to, I, I, I should also do it. And she, it took me a year, but I ended up doing it. And soon as I went to work, it was, it was like a topic of a conversation. They didn't say anything when my hair was straight, mm. but, but soon as it gets cut and goes natural, it's a topic of conversation. People want to touch it. And, and when I have braids, you keep on changing your hair. I'm like, yep, I do this every single day. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I do it I say every month. I'll say, I have the ability to do that. And it's like, and then they have questions. I was like, you know what? I am not your black reference. Mm. <laughs> there they, is Google for they that. Come, they come <laughs> to you for all the things in, in black culture in order to try to understand what's going on. Yes. Wow. And at this, and at this particular time, there were, it was how many engineers? I think it was maybe a hundred, a mm. hundred or, or, or over about 200 engineers total. Mm-hmm. I think so. And there in this particular office, there was probably about 80 in the um, in the engineering area. Okay. And only two black. So there was one male and one female, which was me. Right. (laughs) And so and of course, I asked, you guys know each other? I was like, and then the and then and then because I have a quick mouth. So of course, I was like, not all black people know each other. I was like, yeah, I was like, you're Asian. Do you know the other Asians that are in the office? Because I wanted them to understand from my perspective yeah, yeah. that this is, you know, that this is not right. I just, just because two ethnicities are in the same room doesn't mean they know each other. And we're in, even though we're in the engineering floor, mm. he's in back end, I'm in front end. Mm. And just because you may be the majority in this particular room, doesn't mean you have to make people feel as if they are the minority. Yeah, and it made me feel small, and that's why, and that's why I, you know, I was like, you know, do you know every Asian person? And then if a Caucasian said that, do you know every Caucasian person in this um, in this office? Do you talk to them? And I because I and then they felt bad, and I was like, I didn't want to make you feel bad. I wanted you to see my perspective. Yeah. I was like, so we need to have we need to be able to have these conversations without getting offended because it's not like I'm not racist. I was like, I'm not calling you racist. I was like, because technically we're all we all have some bias. Yeah. I was like, but you not being aware of it, that's when the problem creeps in. And then not wanting to be aware of it when you're made aware of it becomes an even deeper problem because then it makes me wonder, uh, do you just want to keep staying the same way? Because I'm trying to help you kind of break free from this thought and you want to you know hold on tighter to it yes and so so and so that's happening at a particular company but is that happening on a grander scale when you said you go to different tech tech conferences being in silicon valley are you seeing that when you're going to other conferences or is it a different experience no, it is it is the exact same experience. Wow. Um, I commented on my LinkedIn a couple times on in regards to conferences. I actually spoke to now she's the interim CEO of Women Who Code right. of the so this is um, a global organization and they are willing 
to change things. And she, we had a conversation. We had um, email conversations, phone conversations, in-person conversations. Um, women who code is looking to change and change that behavior, especially for engineers of color. And they reached out to me with my experience with diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. and my also my experience in cultural social psychology because I just don't look at just the Black experience from where I have firsthand knowledge. I also look at the different um, aspects of that, the Latino experience, making sure we get Latino in tech also, and then also the Asian experience. And I, and I reach out to these individuals, I say, because that's not my story, that's your story. But I reach out to you because I want to make sure your story is told. I don't want to be your narrator. I, I try to get more eth ethnic um, ethnicities involved, races involved to get them in there. So I'm not dictating, I'm not being the narrator, just like, um, like you see in most history books, the, you know, history is um, written by the victors and they have that narrative. That's why like some children don't know that <laughs> slavery, that blacks didn't always were slaves. We were actually Kings, Queens, um, scholars. Yeah. So I remember that, I, I mentioned that maybe one time a long time ago on the podcast that I remember being in 10th grade or maybe 11th. I can't remember which one. It was a U.S. history class. And uh, we finally got towards the portion of uh, black history, of black history. And, okay, we're on the same page on this one. And it literally <laughs> was one freaking page chapter. Uh, not even a chapter <laughs> it was one page it, and it started off with the, <laughs> the slave yep. and I said and I stopped the class because I'm the only black guy in the class there's one other black person uh, a black a black. well she's a girl at the time a black woman is in the class and so the teachers were a white lady I said no hold up mm -hmm. hold up hold up I've been waiting for 10, whatever I said. I've been waiting 10 years, 11 years of this BS. And I probably did say BS. And you mean to tell me that what you're going to try to sell me on in this classroom today is that the slaves came from Africa and that's 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 it? There, there's nothing else that you're you're willing to teach. And the whole class is... They're dumbfounded that I'm that I'm raising my voice and that I'm upset. And what are you so upset about? And they they had no idea that we are more than slaves. And they wanted mm -hmm. they wanted me to accept it. And so, but what was your experience? What did you experience? I got kicked out of my history class because <laughs> <laughs> I almost I, I did. Actually... I almost did too. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I got put in detention until the Black History Week was over because the chapter was only like maybe five or six pages and a lot of them were pictures. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got I got kicked out of my history class, not once, but twice um, for speaking up about the um, Latino. And then I was like, why there's no Asian history? They've been here for the longest because I actually go because. I was very poor mm -hmm. and my, my mom was on drugs and I never wanted to go home. So I spent all this time in the library. I lived in the library because I had dyslexia 
and I read slower. So I absorbed more knowledge. And that's how I compensated was by, you know, they're going to laugh me at reading. And I also had a stuttering problem on top of that. So I wanted to fix myself. So I, so I lived in the library and then I read all these books about history and it was, and trust me, it was very hard to find it. it, um, Thank goodness for the internet now that it's, it's more accessible but back then we didn't have the internet. So we had to search and scour through books and to find the truth. And then when black history came up, I was like, uh-uh. And it's like, you're disrupting the class. I was like, but this is the truth. I even checked out the book and brought it in. Oh my goodness. And I had to spend the rest of the week in detention because I was disruptive. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it was a time in my life. I'm glad I did speak out. I'm glad I did say what I needed to say. Um, but at the time, they make you feel bad about it, and then they threaten yes. to call your parents. And they and, and the sad part is, and this is no shot at my family in any way. The sad part is, is that the teacher calls your parents, then your parents will turn on you, and yep. then you and then you, as a person that knows that something is not right here. You're trying to explain to your black parents that a white institution that you're trying to explain to your black parents that a white institution is teaching you information that could be detrimental to your mental psyche. But the white institution has convinced your black parents that they are right and that the black child is wrong. And that's that's for many for a lot of my frustration is we have to change. I don't know what's going on today. But we have to update this educational system because if you're not careful, these schools will trick you into thinking that you're supposed to side with them over your own children. Well, there's there's some psychology and some history to that. So your parents, it, it's it's a it's a learned behavior. So your your parents were taught that. So in turn, they they continue to teach it and not everybody has a strong will to think for themselves and not and it's not it's no shade on individuals like sometimes they don't have the resources sometimes they don't have the processing capacity sometimes they don't have the the strategy or the strategic knowledge to do these things so i mean everybody you know has their own perspective their own story and not knowing something is not is is not necessarily a bad thing, but it also can harm them in regards to the knowledge they receive and how they teach their kids. I, I think what what we need to do is open up the door and find out like what our kids are learning. And I know it's hard because I I'm a working I'm a single parent and I work full time, and on top of that I work on the business, so I have like two jobs. Um, <laughs> Right. And it's, it's sometimes it's difficult, but there is internet out there. There's actually a lot more resources and there's a lot of um, some um, black educators. There's more books out there. So things are accessible. So you can't say you can't find anything. And no matter what your economic status is, you can get those resources because the library is free. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, today we do have that option now. When I was coming up, the internet was just starting to really bubble and start really getting to, to, to you know, get out there. But now there's no excuse. 
You know, you should be able to know your own history by, by self-teaching it if you're looking. Yep. The greatest thing you can do in life is be a wisdom seeker, but you've got a secret. Well, see, that's another reason why I developed the stickers is because that most of the time we don't see ourselves. We see some celebrity. That's who they look up to. That's who their influencers are. Oh, well, she, like Cardi B, she's a, or she's a rapper or so I don't follow basketball, so I don't I don't I don't even know anybody. <laughs> so like okay, maybe, okay. maybe maybe somebody in um sports, but I developed the stickers that even your parents can be your hero, even your parents can be your influence. Like maybe mm. if they're a janitor, they're still they're putting food on the table, they're supporting you. So why can't they be seen as a role model? Might not be the role model that you want to be but they're still a role model because they're taking care of you and that's another reason why i created these stickers because i wanted the unseen to be seen yeah so i got my sip and share wine in the mail this is the abundance number seven this is sweet red wine semi-sweet medium bodied fruity with purple color and aromas of citrus with flavors of juicy blood orange ripe peach blend with crisp apple undertones compliments desserts mild cheeses spicy cuisine fresh fruit and nuts let's take our first sip of abundance oh beautiful beautiful stop by sip and share wines head over there now the abundance is on point this is exactly the type of wine that i enjoy the sweet red wine back to the show you know when you when you bring up those role models it brings me back to one of the first things that we mentioned when when we first started talking about um, the, you know, the one of the last episodes we had about who owns what is it black owned or is it black target? Mm-hmm. And you know, these celebrities get trotted out there um, for us to uh, be mesmerized by their celebrity. So then we can go towards what they tell us to do through uh, promotional campaigns, through endorsements, yep. and and so instead of. Uh, banking at this bank that is black owned because you know a person like Kevin Hart is working with Chase Bank uh, well maybe I'll go over to Chase because he's worked with Chase instead of going over here to a black owned bank because they may not have the necessary faith that I'm looking for and we can get duped into putting our money into places that aren't necessarily, necessarily for us yep and not just that that we also they don't put money back into the community they put it in their pockets yeah um the, it, and that's the funny part so they use black dollar they use black data to exploit us but they don't put it back in the community where it belongs yeah well here's my question and this may be a little bit too controversial do we have a community to put it back into we do are we have, do we have something in place when we say community, where would it actually go? So there are organizations that are being built. They are more now more black 
entrepreneurs that are trying to put money back in the community, but they're small. It's like small patches, but it is, it start, it's like a grassroots um, movement. It's starting, but we also need to educate ourselves. And because when we buy something from, uh, from, what uh chanel it doesn't come back to the black community <laughs> i'm sorry right, right. it just it just doesn't or when we buy something for gucci it doesn't come back to the black community and what all you're buying is brand you're buying a brand and like that gets made overseas from some child for 50 cents and they sell it for 300 exactly <laughs> like are, are, are you kidding me i say versus there are tons of black designers out there that need to be supported um fashion designers there are mm-hmm. black um business owners and black businesses that need your support and you think oh because it's cheaper down the street mm-hmm. i'm gonna go here i was like and no shade on other ethnic uh businesses but if you want to truly be a part of the community then you also need to give money back to the community just like you would give money to church same difference yeah there may be a premium on you know working with yourself but there's uh, an added benefit uh, of doing that there's an added benefit of paying that extra five dollars uh here than if you were to go all the way down the street Mm -hmm. pay you know that you know that five dollars less it's similar to when you go to an amusement park now this is not the full uh, the, probably the best example, but when you go to these amusement parks, because you're there, part of that culture, comes uh, that pizza slice could have been two dollars, you know, <laughs> minutes down the road is magically eight dollars out of nowhere. It's like, hold on now, y- y'all pushing it, but but there's a convenience charge, and so if you're going to be a part of the culture, I'm not saying you know take a two dollar pizza and make it eight. But I can understand that if I'm working with this particular company, I may have to pay an extra dollar or two uh, to support my own. But until we can get that mindset, you know, we're always going to go 30 minutes down the street uh, to trip over uh, dollars to get to the nickels. Yeah, but they do that with brands. So they spent like three or four hundred dollars. Like, oh, I think I read this article about Dapper Dan and how. Yeah. He uh, like if if anybody like you should you should read articles and books about his struggle that he was designing mm-hmm. had like name brand designers and getting pennies on the dollar and I'm so happy he kept his brand. I'm just I it just yeah yeah he um I, I applaud him. There are some things that I'm a little I have some questions <laughs> about uh with. The, uh, late, lately with this Gucci you know mm-hmm. situation but he, he's a pillar in the culture no matter what no matter how I feel he's always going to be a pillar and I'm glad that he's able to uh, now own own the rights to what he's doing I mm-hmm. love that I do if I had to question Dapper I would say but Dapper why couldn't you instead of working with Gucci why couldn't you work with a luxury black brand and when he got asked that question on the breakfast club he said, well, there wasn't any out there who had the infrastructure to be global. And then there was an article that came out, I'll send it to mm-hmm. you after the show, that listed 20 black brands that are global brands. And so I just wonder, what is it about uh, our 
sometimes people in our culture where we're afraid to put ourselves next to each other in order to elevate the brand. Because if Jaffer Dan was working with one of our companies, that company could, you know, 2x or 3x profitability. Well, there's a two sides to that coin. So, sure. like, for, like for me, I started this company and I like, and now I'm, I'm going back and forth. So, but now it's in order to get opportunity, you have to have a seat at the table. And unfortunately it might look like, okay, oh, well, she's just selling out or he's just selling out. But if you want, the power is in the decision when you're at the table, then you can open the door for other people. That's just like the 1%. The 1%, why they're so powerful is because they also start companies. They provide jobs. Mm-hmm. They also contribute to society that we, you know, they take, but they also give. It's a give and take. And so mm-hmm. in order to make powerful decisions to open the door for other people, sometimes you have to make those concessions. If you look at it, I look at everything strategically. And I'm like, I say, if he uses this correctly, and I'm not, I'm not saying either way, if he is or isn't, for him to have this type of, he's now in with Gucci. Okay, so right. maybe he can open the door for other black designers that other, um, other companies can't. And then he can still partner with the other black designer brands also to open the door for them to make them even more global, more present. I agree. I, and I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. I just hope that he opens that door. And in order for him to work with other black designers, he has to acknowledge that they exist. He has to acknowledge, hey, they're out here. And I'm not saying he is or isn't. But from my studying of The Breakfast Club, and I did have a full uh, episode mm-hmm. on it, uh, from, my, from my studies, it's, it's almost as if he's not even looking that direction. It's, hey, I'm going to go wherever the check is. Mm-hmm. And which is, like you said, hey, that's cool. You're at the table. But who are you bringing to the table with you? Is always my question. And so I don't know those answers. But what I will say is it doesn't appear right now, as of today, or as of the last time I studied it, which was about a month ago, it didn't appear that there was uh, any other seat being brought to that table. So my last question for you mm-hmm. is... With diversity and inclusion, is it ever just okay to say, hey, let's build our own table and uh, y'all can come join us, but we're no longer trying to join up with you? Is it ever okay to, to think that way? No, it's not, because then we're going back to segregation and we're not breaking the will. We're actually just making, keeping it going and going. Sorry for my Game of Thrones reference, but. No, you're fine. I like Game of Thrones, even though that last season. Was oh my little, God. Was a little I, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there, but back to your question. Is go in ahead. order to break the wheel, we cannot think about that. That's segregation. If we segregate ourselves, okay. we're closing off ourselves. We have to take the good with the bad and not see always the bad, but see it from the other perspective. And we need to start thinking with that mindset. We need to start thinking strategically. Yeah, do we make these concessions right now so we can um, get to another place? That's just like, so when I was, again, when I was an engineer, I was making all this money and I had my BMW. And then then when I started my company, that same money wasn't coming in. So what I decided to do is I was, 
I had a lot of equity in my car. I decided to have a short-term loss for a long-term gain. I sold my car. I bought the, I took out the, um, sold off my car, paid it off, and I got $4,000 back. And I put that into my business. I say, because right now I might not be at the status that I am, but this is a short-term loss. I'm thinking about the long-term gain. What we need to do is start looking at the big picture, not just looking at this one, and this is a developer reference, not looking at just one component, but looking at the entire project. Okay. And, and so here's what I'll do. I'll put a pin there. And what I'm going to say is I, I'm opening the, up the door for us to have another conversation in the future mm-hmm. because I, I, I can feel we could probably go another two hours. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, feel, I feel as if I'm going to let some things happen in the culture first that are going to be centered around diversity and inclusion. Okay. And I, I know you and I are always in contact. Yes. I want you to come back on when that diversity and inclusion moment happens on a, on a bigger scale. When I say bigger, I just mean that it's, it's, a, it's currently happening mm-hmm. with some type of person uh, that people are paying attention to. And when that moment happens, I want us to come back on here and I want us to study that situation and see what is the wisdom that we can gain from it and uh, how do we move forward? Because I know it's coming. Yep. And I, it's probably within the next month or two. And so uh, the doors are open for you to come back on. In the meantime, how do people reach out to you? How do people work with you? And, uh, you know, what is the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me is either on our social media platforms or directly. Um, I'm just going to put my email out there. So it's Tarzine, that's T-A-R-Z-I-N-E at com. And you can reach out to me, especially if you're a minority-owned business. Right now, um, I decided next month I'm going to be doing on a limited scope. Um, anybody mm-hmm. who has a business, um, free strategy and um, free strategy planning on a limit, oh, of course, on a limited basis, but it, it helps you. You have to do the footwork and know your competitors and things. And I help you devise a strategy for your business so you can get a leg up. Now, with that, uh, just is it a full strategy as far as their company? Or is it uh, strategies for diversity and inclusion? Or what are we thinking there? Um, so it's a strategy. It's more of like a marketing strategy. So okay. how, how you use data is like we help you with the research. So, But you have to also do the footwork because it is a limited okay. basis because that's one of the services I offer. But I wanted to at least bring some strategy to like what are your competitors? Let's do a competitor analysis. How would this help you with marketing? What are the different things you can do? Love so we'll give you your profile to get you started, but you still have to do the footwork. You still have to put the work in. I can't just spoon feed you. I love it. So here's what I'll do uh, on Black Equity Network on our Instagram. If you're open to it, I would love uh, love for you to send me any type of link to your website or anything that you have going on. And we'll put it in our Instagram link. So, so during the month of October, People can go to that link and uh, reach out to you once again on a limited basis. You can, you know, put that together of how that will be. So then people can reach out to you and figure out a, a best way to work with you uh, going forward. Yes, I would love that. And again, it's not just for me. It's also for your business. Because so, in order, if you succeed, then you will hire people. Yeah. And you're actually contributing to the community. So I'm actually... Mm-hmm. 
I, I feel that it's my my duty to, to do this. To create jobs and create opportunities for others. Yes. I can see that. And so, I, once again, I know that you and I will be talking again soon. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation because this, to me, this is really the heart of this podcast. This conversation that we had today is the heart of really why I got even into podcasting is that conversation about do we join that table do we build our own table do we do both and what do we do at each table how does how do those tables look and so i'm looking forward to our second part of this conversation uh that we can have in the near future and thank you again for coming on and thank you for having me i appreciate this podcast i listened to your podcast and i I shared it out to all types of people. I was like, I, I was like, oh, he, he is, he is on it. I was like, and I'll be listening to it in the car and like when I'm coding, and it's like, mm, yeah. And I'm just like, you go, yes. All you, all you gotta do is hit me up if you ever want to come on. Just hit me up. I'm, I'm open to it because I really, I love studying the culture. It's what I've been doing uh, since probably 14 years old. I've been studying the culture. I just never had a podcast to do it. I never even thought of what a podcast was. And so uh, I'm excited to be doing this on a daily basis. And thank you for listening. And thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. You're, you're doing the community a service. Thank you so much for saying that. So we will be talking again soon. And thank yes. you for coming on Black Equity. Thank you. I told you it was going to be a great episode. I told you we we're going to dive into some deeper topics around diversity and inclusion. And I know that Tarzine is going to come back on the show pretty soon for us to continue this conversation. If you're in the tech space or you're you're in a different space in the culture and you want to talk about diversity and inclusion, I invite you to come on the show because we have to dive into this to see if we are going to go sit at the other table or if we are going to go sit down, what are the parameters around it? How do we navigate that space? And if people are going to build their own tables, how do we invite people to our table? Those are the conversations we have to have. And I look forward to having them here on Black Equity. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you on the next episode on Black Equity Podcast.